Thank you. Good morning, everyone. So I have three things for you today, uh, a celebration, a question, and an invitation. Uh, since the last time I stood in front of you, this church, ooh, you've been doing some world changing because here's the thing. In the middle of the pandemic, when things are closing down, you ended the dangerous walk for water for 452 children, raising nearly $23,000. Check that out. That is a reason to celebrate, absolutely. Now, here's a, here's a simple question for you. In these last 20 or so months of this pandemic, did you try anything new? Like maybe it's like trying to cook or bake sourdough bread or a DIY project uh, at home and with like varying results, I'm sure, right? Uh, and uh, is it okay if I take this off for a second? Yep. So like I have something today that I want to invite you into something new. It might be new, or maybe you've done it before, and you were like, I did this one and done. But regardless, today I'm inviting you to join the Voice Church Half Marathon team to run the 2022 OC Half Marathon in May to provide funding for clean water projects around the world. Yeah. Whoa, that was not the reaction I was expecting. Because I know most of the people in this room and people online, you've checked out when I use the word run and marathon in the same sentence. But that's okay. Here's the thing. Thousands of people have heard this invitation and, but, and reacted similarly but said yes and seen their lives change as well. Now, when it comes to clean water, this is your opportunity. This is an opportunity to get healthy, to be a part of a community in, united in purpose and bring life-changing clean water. And when it comes to clean water, I know all of us would agree that everyone deserves that. But you might be, you might be a little skeptical about the training. Well, I have two things to say to that. One, 80% of our people have never done anything like this before. We have a 98% finish rate. And secondly, we provide a training plan that's couch to course. I could tell you about Henry, 86-year-old uh, man who did his first full marathon. I could also tell you about Ron. Who, who shed 200 pounds. In his word, I shed a human being. That's, that's him saying that, right, through Team World Vision. It's for all ages, sizes, abilities. It's not just a runner thing. And on top of that, the need for clean water is more urgent than ever before. For the first time since 1998, global poverty is on the rise because of this pandemic. And we know that if you want to help a community lift themselves out of poverty, it starts with the basic necessity of clean Water. You want to get kids in school? Make sure they have clean water. You want to reduce the risk of human trafficking, childhood marriage, or, or even wild animal attacks. Uh, animal attacks. Get them clean water. So here's how this is going to happen. Immediately after this service, join me for a five-minute info session right back there, right outside there in the nice sun, and we'll talk about exactly what it means to walk a marathon or run a marath half marathon and how that gets clean water to kids. And you're going to get a special gift if you join the team today. And that's only exclusive for today. For those online, all you got to do is text the word VOICE to 44888. That's VOICE to 44888. And whether you text in or come to the info session, it doesn't mean you're in. It just means you want more information. Now, lastly, we're about to roll a video. And uh, I just got to say this one last thing. I know right now as you're hearing me, there are probably two voices in your head. One voice is just screaming at you going, this is crazy. No, there's no way I could do this. This guy in orange is just nuts. He doesn't know me. There's this other voice. It's a softer voice. It's a voice like, what, but what if I did? And not only would my life be changed, but by doing so, it'll help hundreds, possibly thousands of kids get clean water. The people on this video, that can be you this May. So all I encourage you to do is listen to that soft inner voice long enough to be a part of this info session. Hope to see you there. Check this out.
Ubuntu is very important to us. It basically means I am because we are. We are all here united, moving our feet to make a difference in the world. We don't run for ourselves, but we run for more, right? I run for World Vision to raise money to help the kids that carry these 20-pounder, some water or miles, and I do this running for them. It's unspeakable to think that a thousand children are dying every single day. It's not just my kids. It's not just somebody else's kids. It's our kids. I've seen moms who would do anything for their kids. They would, in essence, give up their entire life walking for water for their kids. That even makes them sick. And it's something that's solvable. Having clean water allows the kids to be with their family, to be in school. It really is like it's changing whole communities because water is the basis for health in every way of life. If you've never run before, World Vision has gotten thousands of people across the finish line. Just do it. Uh, if I can do it. Just do it, seriously. You can do it. You know, this whole thing started about four years ago. I quit smoking. I've had five knee surgeries. So it, this, is a, this is a total gift that God's given back to me. I need to do something with it. I mean, the idea of running a, even a half marathon at 60 years old was like, well, that's a crazy thing to do. When you get to that finish, you know, there's a group there, high fives and cowbells, and it's an awesome community. We are part of the community before we are the individual. It is within that community that you are able to find life. You are able to find encouragement, joy. You are because we are. Awesome. Well, thank you, Don, so much for sharing everything with us. And if you guys have, want any more information about that, or if you're like, I don't know, I feel a little inspired, but I don't know if I can do all that, um, just go ahead and just hop out here. Just at least come to the informational meeting um, and talk to Don. He will answer any questions that you have. And then if John and Arlene can raise their two hands right here. These are our two team leaders from our church, and so they're going to be here every Sunday, and you can ask them questions as well um, anytime you have any questions or if you are like need a week or two to think about it, um, they'll be here and you can ask questions to them as well. So um, make sure you guys, like, at at least come to the meeting, get some information. And if you're not here from COVID, um, you're you're either sick or you're a little bit worried about coming in, just make sure that you email Don Lee at worldvision.org and he'll get you all the information that you need as well. Happy New Year's, guys. Man, it was, it's been kind of tricky having this thing on. You, you would have laughed if you saw me earlier. My, I had my mask and was all tangled up in this thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I'm so glad I'm not on the camera right now. Um, Thomas, how's it going? Happy New Year. Uh, hey, so remember when you were like in middle school? I don't think there's any middle schoolers in the room right now. Uh, like chronologically, some of, some of us have the, the maturity of a middle schooler. Uh, but 
Remember when you were middle school at your first like dance? This will make sense in a second here. And <clears throat> there's like the guys are on one side, the girls on the other side, and everyone's kind of leaned back against the wall. Or if you're in the gymnasium, you're like just standing all along the line, just kind of waiting for someone to make the first move. And everyone has that one kind of like jerky friend, or maybe you're that friend that just kind of pushes you onto the dance floor. And you end up having a good time, but you needed that push, right? Okay, so l- let me be that push for you for World Vision. Okay, if you're thinking like, man, maybe, maybe, I don't know, you know, my knee's been bothering me, or I'm not really good at running, or I haven't, I, I tried to run once, and it wasn't a good experience, right? That's like every running experience for me. Uh, people are like, oh, man, I have this like euphoric high when I run. No, I don't. Nope. Usually it's just a whole lot of why am I doing this. But now you have a good reason why. So if you're even considering it, if there's even a 1% that's like, well, maybe, just go to the meeting. Just go to the meeting. Just go to the meeting. Don't do that. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. And kudos. Uh, we haven't had a chance to, to recap. $22,000, almost $23,000 a couple years ago. Great job. Let's try to beat that this year. Uh, it, it, it's more than just a number on a screen. It, it really is. Uh, their lives changed. And imagine if you just didn't have clean water, how that would change everything. Some of us, we came in drink tap water. We're so bougie. It's like, I can't, you want me to make my pour over coffee with tap water? You think I'm a barbarian? Like what? what? You know, so imagine having like muddy water that makes you sick that you had to travel hours to go get. Okay, so if you don't, if you, if you need a reason to run, uh, that's a good reason to do it. So, and here's the thing, here's what I challenge you to do. If you're like, nope, I'm not going to run, then can you at least make a commitment to sponsor someone that is running? All right, so uh, I was talking to James running sound back here. He's like, I like to be the position of the donor, of the giver instead of the runner. So some of you guys, hey, you know what? We need both. All right. Hey, uh, before we hop into the teaching here, I do want to highlight something for us. I want to talk briefly about how we're navigating COVID, uh, how we're navigating this next season. What's so interesting about this past couple years for all of us is you never know what's going to happen a month or two down the road, right? We thought, man— we were out of this thing and then Delta and we're out of this thing and then all these other ones and then Omicron kind of comes in and we're going kind of conflicted of what to do with this one because the symptoms don't seem as severe if you're vaccinated but also is that there's like a COVID positive thing too and so I know there's some families that are watching online that are like we feel fine but we're COVID positive so obviously we're not going to come to church and so how are we navigating navigating that as a church family? Because there is just this, this wisdom, and then there is a spiritual side to this as well. So let me give you a couple guardrails for us as a church family, okay? On, on, on one side, uh, imagine you're bumper bowling. There's two guardrails, okay? On one side, uh, we have a, a value that we're not going to live by fear, okay? We're not going to live by fear. On the other side is we're not going to use our freedom to be reckless, okay? We're not going to live in fear, but we're not going to use our freedom to be reckless. A lot of times when you hear people say, it's a free country, right? They're most likely about to say something or do something very selfish. Okay? It's not, no one ever says, it's a free country. That's why I'm going to buy you lunch. It's a free country. That's why I'm going to encourage you. Like, usually when people say it's a free country, they're about to do something reckless or selfish. So we're, and Christians too, all right? Over the past couple years, that's become pretty clear. So we're not going to live in fear. We're not going to cower in the corner. God is bigger than this thing, but also we're not going to be reckless and unloving. So we're going to use our freedom to serve people, to care for people, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, years from now, we believe we're going to look back at this season and God is going to ask, did you represent me well during that season? 
with the information that you had. So that's our, that's our uh, goal. We're going to continue to encourage you to, uh, if you're attending in person, to uh, mask up. Uh, we're going to encourage you to get vaccinated. We're going to encourage you to be wise in regards to your context. And you know better than anybody else the nuance of your situation of what's appropriate and what the best thing is. So we're going to trust uh, that you are praying and doing what you need to do. What we're going to do as a church kind of leadership is we're going to continue to do our best to put uh, our services online so you can watch online, uh, but also realizing that we want to live within our budget constraints, all right? So we're not going to buy all this amazing equipment, and they were like, hey, uh, this is our last Sunday as Voice Church, but we have great cameras, like really sweet cameras, uh, and they're for sale on Craigslist right now. Uh, so we're going to continue to put our best foot forward uh, online, uh, but we're also going to continue to meet in person. Uh, as long as we feel like it's wise, as long as we feel like it's safe, and as long as we feel like it's God-honoring to do so. So this really is a week-by-week week kind of thing. What's going to happen in a month? I have no idea. Do you know what's going to happen in a month? There could be another variant, you know, like the Decepticon variant's going to come out and we're all, you know, so I have no idea what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, too many people try to make this a political issue. This is not a political issue. This is not an us versus them. This is not a this camp or this camp issue. This is an issue of us honoring God with, with the influence he's given us for this season. So hope that makes some sense of kind of how we're navigating this. I think in, 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 in seasons where there, you don't really have, it's, you don't have enough clarity to, have, to be able to create strategy, what you can do is get clarity on values. And your values can be the compass you use to navigate this season. Does that make sense? So our values are extremely clear, uh, and it'll, they'll kind of guide us through whatever, uh, whatever's coming uh, next. So, hey, we're doing something a little different uh, this year. Some of you guys have done this individually or with the organizations you were a part of is have a one-word focus for the year. We've never done that as a church. I don't know why, um, but we're doing it this year. Uh, so our one-word focus for this year is grow, grow, G-R-O-W, grow. Uh, so it's not because, not so much numerically grow as a church. That could be a side thing, but I, that is kind of in God's hands. Uh, it's more about you and I growing spiritually. You and I giving more of our hearts to God, saying, God, you have more of my heart, more of my resources, more of my time, that we grow in our obedience to God, our submission to God, our worship to God. And the reality is if you're here, whether you're in person or you're watching online, it's because you want that right? You want that. I don't think there's anybody that goes, man, my goal in life is just to be kind of flaky as a Christian. My goal in life is to go on Sunday mornings, arrive late, sing a few songs, do some Christian karaoke, listen to a TED talk, and go home. What's the point? What's the point? All of us want to be able to say, I am more in tune with what the Lord wants me to do. I am more trusting of the Lord walking into the unknown than I ever have before. God has more of my heart than he ever has before. That in the midst of questions, in the midst of doubts, in the midst of fears, I continue to trust God more. This is what it means to grow. The hard thing is, hard thing is how do you grow spiritually? How do you measure if you're even growing spiritually, right? Like if you play sports, it's easy to measure. You have more rushing yards. You have more points than you did last year. And if you guys watch any sort of like, I love baseball. Um, 
like, I love watching it. I love playing it. I love everything about baseball. Some of you guys are like bored out of your minds. Here's the weird thing about baseball. They have stats for everything. Everything. It's mind-boggling, right? So you can see those stats and know if you're improving as an offense, as an infielder, as a pitcher, as a hitter, or whatever, right? And for business, you can measure things like employee retention or employee turnover, customer satisfaction, revenue, whatever your bottom line is, you can measure that. How do you measure that for your spiritual walk? Church attendance? Like how many times a month you go to church? Like how much you give? How many times you serve? How many times you check in a small group? Like how do you measure your spiritual growth? How do you know when you're growing spiritually? And how do you know what causes those things to grow. And the converse is true. How do you know when you're, we don't like to talk about this a whole lot, how, you, how, do, you, how do you know when you're receding spiritually? Like we know it like almost like Samson where he, you know, his hair was cut, right? And, and he woke up one day and he goes, the spirit of God left me. Sometimes we have those epiphany moments where you wake up, you're going, I don't know when it happened, but I don't know God like I used to. I don't trust God like I used to. He doesn't have my heart. I've gotten bitter. I've gotten angry. I've gotten distant from God. I don't know when it happened, right? So how do we grow spiritually? So if you were to, if you were to highlight some seasons in your life, think back through your whole life. Some of us have to think back a long time, right? Think back through your whole life and think through seasons when you grew spiritually significantly. Like these were rapid seasons of growth. What caused that growth? What was it about that season that caused you to grow? What were the catalysts in that season that caused you to grow? My guess is that we would begin to see some common themes. For us as a church, what we do, our, our like, goal as a church is not to do services. Our goal as a church is around this one question. And we're going to put it on the screen. How do we lead people into a growing relationship with Christ? That is paramount for us as a church. Not how do we have three really good songs at the top of service and one song at the end to close it. How do we have a really good teachings that people are going to forget before they even get to their car? Like how do we, right? That's not the goal. The goal is how do we lead people into a growing relationship with Christ? Because as a church, we only have so much time to work with. We only have so much money, so many, uh, so many people on the team. Most of our team are volunteers or are part-time. We only have so much facility. Really, for us, we have this facility for like five hours on a Sunday, and then everything goes back in the trailer, and then we meet in homes throughout the week, right? So we can't do everything. We can only do a few things. So what do we do as a church to help people grow spiritually? In the church world, a lot of times this is called discipleship. Discipleship. Some of you guys have heard that. And so discipleship, if you ask any church, how do you disciple people? What is your process of spiritual growth or spiritual development? A lot of times it'll be boiled down to like, oh, this is our DVD curriculum. That's an old-fashioned sentence. Here's, a, uh, here's our video curriculum. Here's our small group strategy. Here's whatever. And this is how we disciple. But if you're to ask people how they grow, that may not be how they actually grow spiritually. You can go through all the stuff, but my guess is that your story, how you grew spiritually, it wasn't linear. It wasn't like, man, I didn't know Jesus, and then I went to class 101, and then 201, and 301, and then I was a fully formed follower of Christ. It wasn't like that. It probably looked more like this, right? 
So what were the elements that caused you to grow? I think for me, uh, there's a couple things that stick out uh, big time for me. One, I remember a guy named Brian. Brian, he was a youth intern. Uh, and when I was in high school, when I started going to church, I'm a junior year in high school. And he was a youth intern. And I love hanging out with Brian because he was just, he wasn't like the coolest guy. No offense if you're watching this, Brian. Uh, but he was just magnetic. There's something about him. There was a depth to him that I really wanted. And so a lot of times, a lot of my friends and I would hang out with him on Friday nights. We'd hang out with him and go to like basketball games. He'd go bowling, all the youth stuff, you know, football games or whatever. And then, but what he would say is, hey, we, we can hang out Friday, but I pray for an hour in the sanctuary. We had a, we had a large church, sanctuary fit 5,000 people. And so it was, it was like a cathedral, it felt like, you know. So he's like, hey, we're going to go to the church and pray for an hour. Uh, so if you want to hang out, you got to hang out with me in the sanctuary for an hour. So a lot of times, me and my friends would just like chill. There's no phones back then. Like we'd play with our pager, you know what I mean? So we'd, uh, we'd just sit there and we'd pick up a hymnal and thumb through some hymnals. And we'd go, ah, that's some funny words we don't use anymore. And little by little, we would start to pray because we could hear Brian praying, right? This went on for years. Years later, I, I ran a discipleship school, and there, Brian had gone on. It was a youth pastor, and a couple of his youth kids came to my ministry school, and they said, they overheard me praying, and they go, do you know a guy named Brian Dunn? I was like, yeah, he was my small group leader in high school. And they go, man, you pray just like him. So it was caught. It was caught. That was a big thing for me. Another, another thing that was a defining kind of season for me is I remember when I, when I was in high school, one of my best friends, a guy named Andy, his name is still Andy, uh, he came to church with me. It took me a long time to get him to come to church because he was very much not a church kid. Uh, and for a good reason, he kind of had some baggage there. So he, uh, but he trusted me because we were, we were boys. And so he came to church finally, and he never had gone, come to, he never went back to church since. This is back in like 1996, right? 1995. So he came to church once and it was such a bad experience and no one did anything wrong. Like they weren't like, like pointing and laughing and making fun of him or anything, but everything about the experience said this wasn't for him. He was a skater. So he, back in our, our church back in that day, it was like, you wear a suit, uh, you know, on Sundays because everyone knows that Jesus and his disciples wore three-piece suits. So and sandals. You guys never read the Bible? So, um, so he would be wearing like skater clothes, right? And the church room was like, take your hat off for the Lord. And he's like, what? So he, he was dressed wrong. Uh, the terminology that they were using, we call it Christianese, where, you know, they'd say things like, we're washed in the blood of a lamb. He's like, what are you talking about? Where are you killing these lambs? And you should stop that, right? He just didn't know what was going on. Not really a church kid. He, um, <clears throat> He was a, a drummer, a really good drummer. And so the musicianship of the church really wasn't his cup of tea. And everything about the church experience was simply sent him one message. It said, this wasn't for you. This isn't for you. The dress code, the music, the, the words we use, none of this is meant for you. And so he's like, okay, I'm not going to come back. I remember in that season driving Andy home and going, man, I can't wait one day to be part of a church where I'm proud to invite my friends. I'd be proud to invite my friends that are the furthest thing from churchgoers that even maybe had a bad experience at church, but they would, I think they would like my church, right? And so uh, those were two really important things for me, but what about you? My guess is that if we were to investigate your life maps and we were to say, what are the, the catalysts that cause you to grow, they would fall in one of five buckets that we're going to talk about. That there be some commonality in your stories, 
in your timelines. Maybe not the same experiences, maybe not the same sequences, but the same elements that cause you to grow spiritually. So we're going to walk through these five things, and then there's a point to why we're doing it. It's how we're going to structure kind of the next chunk of this year around helping you grow spiritually. Uh, The first one, the first catalyst for for spiritual growth uh, is life-changing truth. Life-changing truth. And I think we all understand. I'll start with this one because I think this is the easiest for us to understand. It's when you're told the truth and it goes from here to here. You know what I mean? You know that moment, maybe, maybe part of your story is, I remember the first time, uh, you know, I grew up in a family where it was all about uh, kind of achievement, right? It was all about, like, well, someone asked me recently, uh, did you get any B's in school? I was like, no, I wasn't allowed to. Like, you get a B? What you, and some of my friends were like, would get money for being on the honor roll, which is A's and B's, right? And I was like, no, no, no. You would get grounded if you got A's and B's. Like, that's like not an option. So I grew up in a household where if you messed up, you had to pay penance. You had to like make it right. If you got a B, you had to make it. I told you some of you guys the story before, but I don't know my blood type. I know it's either A negative or B positive. Because I remember walking, I was like probably in fourth grade. I remember walking in my mom's room, my parents' bedroom, and saying, what do I need to do to bring this up to a solid A? Right? That's how, that's how I kind of messed up my mind. is. So, But I remember the first time I heard someone say, look, Taka, there's nothing you can do to earn God's love. That there's nothing you can do that'll make Jesus love you less, that'll make him love you more. That sin doesn't make God, doesn't change the way God loves you, but it sure changes the way you love God. Like these were like life-changing truths where it like went from here to here and I understood it and it caused me to grow spiritually. Maybe for you, it was someone teaching about heart for the lost. Or maybe it was going like on a missions trip and someone telling you about these people that don't look like you and here's their experiences. And you're like, what? And it's mind-blowing. It changed everything for you. Right? This is why we take Sunday mornings very seriously. Because we only get 52 chances to give you a nugget of truth. To try to make it, we, we, we kind of teach with the, the framework of mud, which is memorable, understandable, doable. We, try, we teach with mud. Memorable, understandable, doable. How do we get them to memor, mem- like remember this? How do we understand it? I remember going to church, like with the story with Andy, where I would leave feeling dumb because they would say, turn to Hezekiah 2.15. And you're like, I didn't even know that was a book. And I feel like dumb. We want people to understand and want people to leave service going, oh, I can do that. I can do, that's doable. That's reachable. That's attainable for me. So we take Sunday mornings uh, very seriously. So that's the first one, life-changing truth. Second one, is spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. I know when I say spiritual disciplines, some of us, some of us are like, what a drag. Like that, is, that doesn't sound like fun. Disciplines, right? That's, it sounds like I have to wake up early and like pray on the side of a mountain at 4.30 in the morning and I have to like, like not eat ice cream and like never date. Like, I, like I, if it's joyful, then I shouldn't do it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I remember growing up when I first started going to church, there was a sense of like, where's the last place you would want to live? That's where God is sending you. And I was always like, oh my gosh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die in a hut in Africa, you know, by the time I'm 25 years old, because that's the last place I want to go, you know? It was just like this weird, and it's like, no, 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 God made you your, your way for a certain reason to be you. Then when you actually follow God, you're more you than you've ever been. So spiritual disciplines like prayer 
fasting, Bible study, uh, tithing or generosity, uh, silence and solitude, all those kind of things, Sabbath, right? A lot of times these uh, things are taught in a way that this is what good Christians do. Some of you guys have been taught that way, where you read the Bible because that's what good Christians do. You read your Bible every day. You pray because that's what good Christians do. You pray every day, but you're like, why? Why? Well, that's what good Christians do. And if you don't do it, you're not a good Christian, right? The point of spiritual disciplines is not just to be good at spiritual disciplines. We're actually going to talk more about that at the end of this. But when did you realize, when did it happen for you when you understood the heart of spiritual disciplines? When was it for you when you realized that you could talk to God? That prayer wasn't like, you know, meet the Fockers where you have to be like, oh, dearest Lord, heavenly highest, you know, speaking King James, right? But when prayer was something where you're going, I'm talking to God. Like the one who spoke and everything existed, the one who created me, like I can talk to him. Like when did that click for you? Maybe it hasn't yet and it needs to. And we're going to talk more about that in a bit. Maybe, maybe it was the first time you worshiped God and it went from singing songs to, no, God's changed my life. And I want to, I want to thank him. I want to worship. I want to magnify him. And it changed everything. Maybe for you, when was it when you realized that reading Scripture wasn't just reading this dusty, archaic, irrelevant book, but it was like this love letter from God? That you read it with the same passion you would read someone that you liked writing you a letter? I've had so many friends go, I don't read the Bible, I'm not a reader. Okay, really, bro? So you're talking if that girl you like wrote you a letter you wouldn't read it because you're like, I'm just not a reader. You kidding me? You'd read, you'd smell it? right? Like, <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be a reader, right? Why? Because you care about it. You care about it, right? So, so when was that for you? When, when the spiritual disciplines didn't become this, this like thing you had to do, but it became this thing you wanted to do. And it began to cultivate certain things in you. We're actually going to talk about that more in a little bit. So life-changing truth, spiritual disciplines. Third one is ministry responsibility. Ministry responsibility. My guess is that uh, there's a lot of people in the room that for one of the defining moments for you was when you were asked to carry some sort of ministry responsibility to lead a team, uh, to, it could be as little as uh, bringing donuts to small group. I know how silly that is, but it changed it. it maybe it, it, can, it went to, can you host small group at your house? Or can you lead the discussion this week? Or can you uh, become a greeter at the church? Or can you lead this or that? The weird thing is, church went from something that you went to to something you were a part of. It went from something that, oh, that's that church, to this is what I helped create. I'm a part of this, right? So you thought you were just getting a position. What you actually got was a responsibility. And the biblical word there is burden. You actually got a burden, not in a negative way, but you begin to carry the weight, carry the load of a church family. And it changed you, right? Your faith was stretched. I remember what I would love to do in small groups, when I used to lead small groups, is I would take someone newer to the faith and I would say, okay, hey, in like two months, I'm going to ask you to close small group out in prayer. Freak them out, right? Because they're like, I don't, I was like, you can write it down and just read it. Totally fine. I tell you what, they prayed differently the next couple of weeks, next few weeks. Why? Because it was ministry responsibility. Remember the first time, those of you guys that are small group leaders, remember the first time someone pulled you aside and asked you to lead a small group? 
Remember the first time someone asked you to be an elder or to hop on a setup and tear down team or somehow take responsibility to maybe join the worship team or something? Church was different, wasn't it? Your walk with God was different, wasn't it? It changed everything. You used to sit in service, but then when you took on ministry responsibility, you prayed different. It's it's an amazing thing to be the hands and feet of God, watching someone else's life get changed because of something you were a small part of. It's really a wild thing. So that's the third one. So life-changing truth, spiritual disciplines, and then ministry responsibility. And the fourth one is pivotal circumstances. Pivotal, Pivotal circumstances. So life is change, right? You've heard it said that the only constant is change. Some change is positive and some change is painful, right? And a lot of times we are not in control of what happens. Life is full of unexpected circumstances that kind of turn life on its head, that change everything, whether it's uh, remission from the sickness or the sickness comes back, whether it's marriage or separation, whether it's uh, like a job promotion or it's a job loss or a myriad of other things, a childbirth or a miscarriage. These are pivotal circumstances, both positive and negative, that can blindside you. And what's wild is that if we were to look back at a lot of our stories, we would say, man, that caused significant growth for me. When we moved, when we lost our child, that had the potential to ruin everything, to wreck everything, but somehow it actually drew me closer to God. These situations, both positive and negative, it's not like the negative situations can damage your faith, but the positive ones don't. I tell you what, I've, I've seen more people walk away from faith because of comfort and prosperity than I have from difficulty, right? So anyways, that's neither here nor there. But these have the potential to damage our faith, but many times, if we invite God into those spaces, if we invite God into this where we say, God, this stinks, this is hard, this is the most challenging thing that I've been a part of, and I don't know what to do. Everything inside of me wants to quit. But God, would you be here with me? God, would you help me to see what you want me to see? Can you help me? Would you help me to understand why this is bothering me so much? Would you help me to trust you more in this situation? Because everything inside of me wants to run away. When you invite God into those situations, you can, have, you can have a deeper faith. And I would even say that on the other side of the pain can be a deeper level of forgiveness, faith, trust, patience. I'd argue that if you ever see someone with a deep faith, my guess is that you're looking at someone that's gone through significant pain. A lot of times, a lot of times, only experiencing comfort and success will actually lead to a shallow life, not depth. Right? And we know this. Think about, I think about the, the kids I used to party with in high school that every, had everything handed to them. Not exactly deep people. Right? So whether it was negative or positive, there were situations that changed your life, pivotal circumstances. All right, so those are the top four. Life-changing truth, spiritual disciplines, ministry responsibility, and then pivotal circumstances. The last one, number five, is significant relationships. Significant relationships. Here's what's so important about this one, is if I were to ask you about the other four catalysts in your life, the four we just mentioned, and you were like, oh, it's, it's you know, life-changing truth that, that really impacted me. Or feel spiritual disciplines that really impacted me. My guess is that there were significant relationships tied to those stories, right? So if you're like, well, life-changing truth is one that really made me grow spiritually. Okay, who told you the life-changing truth? 
Who sat down with you? Who was that consistent voice for you? Like, no, it was spiritual discipline. Man, when I started praying consistently or reading the Bible consistently, that's what caused me to grow spiritually. Okay, who was it that walked you through that? That answered your questions? That said, here, let me pray and you repeat after me. Or, hey, let me buy you a Bible that you understand because yours is confusing. Let me be here that you can text or call anytime and I'll walk you through this stuff in Scripture. Right? Who was it that sat down with you with the guitar and helped you like, learn how to play so you can sing worship to God whenever you want? It was, it was a person, wasn't there? If you're to say, well, it was, it was pivotal circumstances. Man, when my mom got cancer or when I got the job promotion or whatever, when we had, we had a baby or whatever, that's what caused me to grow spiritually. Okay? Who was there during those pivotal circumstances? Who was there? Because one of the biggest factors of whether someone grows or decline spiritually during pivotal circumstances is who was around them when it happened, right? And then the last one, ministry responsibility. You're like, man, Taco, I, I grew when I came into leadership, when I took over a small group, when I joined the setup and teardown team, when I hopped on the worship team, when I started serving the local food pantry downtown, when I started doing Bible studies with the homeless in my, in my town, that's when I really started growing spiritually. Okay, who was it? Who was it that pulled you aside and said, I think you should take on this responsibility? Who was it that inspired you to go, hey, here's what I'm doing. Why don't you come with me? My guess is that there were people all throughout these stories. And you may still be in contact with them. You may not, but they forever marked your life. The reason why this is important for us to go through is when we, if, we tend to focus on things that don't really matter as a church as primary, right? So if I were to say, here's what I've never heard, okay? I've never heard someone say, do you know how I grew spiritually? Talk one of the big catalysts to spiritual growth for me was moving lights. Man, I went to a service and they had like 22 lights and they changed colors and they moved and there was fog and I saw Jesus differently. That changed, I, I could trust him with my heart because of that LED wall, Right? Or man, I got this flyer, I went to this church website, and I weeped with how beautiful the background was on that website. The navigation menu was just, my, I, I saw Jesus differently. I knew at that moment I had to give my life to Jesus. Now, are, are those things unimportant? No, they're just not the most important, Right? So scarcity brings clarity. And what's, what I love about this season of our church is that we're not very big. So we don't have many resources. We can't do everything. So we don't have cool lights set up. We actually have some decent lights that are in those cases. But we don't set them up because we're like, we don't need to in this season. We're going to focus on these five catalysts for this season. So understanding the patterns that God, builds, that God uses to build our faith helps us recognize the importance of significant, authentic, transparent, consistent community. Community. That if you're only going to services online or uh, just on Sundays, but you're not in some sort of smaller group, whether that be literally a small group or a, like, a, a serving team, that serves here or a group like World Vision or if you're not part of a smaller group where you can sit across from someone and they know you and you know them, you're missing a huge part of your spiritual growth. Okay, because again, significant relationships are a huge part of all five catalysts. Those of you guys that are in a small group, you know what I'm talking about. 
right? I see a bunch of you nodding your heads. You're like, you're in a small group. You're going, that changed everything for me. And some of you guys that aren't in a consistent group, it's almost like you're on the edge of that dance floor, but you're missing the whole party. You're there, but you're not really there. So I remember uh, when I was in youth ministry, and I used to have, uh, there's a couple kids that I would take out on a regular basis, and their parents used to be in ministry. They were like old youth pastors and stuff. And so every time I'd go pick them up, they would give me like a $20 bill, and they'd go, hey, just, you know, go to Steak and Shake. I don't even know if that's a thing here. Uh, go to Steak and Shake or, you know, do something uh, with the kids. And I'm like, I'm like, you don't have to give us money. I'll figure it out. You know, I, I work a part-time job, <laughs> and so I could, I could do something. But I, actually, I was like, really, thank you. But anyways, uh, but I was like, why are you doing this? You don't have to do that. And I'll never forget what he said. I was probably 21, 22 at the time. And the dad goes, Taka, one day when you have kids, and they're in middle school and high school, and someone comes over to your house to take your kids out to have spiritual conversations, and you're going to say the same thing that I'm going to say, but I'm not the one saying it, you're the one saying it, you'll give them 20 bucks too. Right? Every parent understands this. When you drop your kids off for the first day of school, whether it be pre-K or high school, we all pray the same thing. Even those that are not uh, religious become real religious in that moment, right? We all pray the same thing intuitively. God, would you help them make good friends? Would you help them build good relationships? That providential like conversation that, where they're seated next to someone in class or they land at the same table at lunchtime, but they build those relationships. God, would you navigate those? Would you help make those happen? Why? Because we intuitively know that we become like the people we hang out with for positive and negative ways, right? My old youth pastor used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? So significant relationships are paramount. I'm so thankful for church online. I really am. But the church is not a content creator. It's a community. It's a community. I can't watch a video of someone having family dinner and feel like I'm part of that family. It's different. It's different. And there's way better churches doing way better content than us. This is community. This is community. So again, those five catalysts of spiritual growth, life-changing truth. I know you're going to print it out and like put it on your wall. Life-changing truth, spiritual disciplines, pivotal circumstances, ministry responsibility, and significant relationships. The reason why I'm, I'm harping on these things is because what we're going to do this year is we're going to structure the first chunk of the year, however long it takes for us to get through these things, and we're going to work our way through these, right? So the first one is spiritual disciplines. We're going to take today and the next five weeks to walk us through about a dozen spiritual disciplines to give us handles. Not exhaustive, where it's like we're going to spend five weeks on prayer or something like that. We want to kind of whet your appetite, give you a little appetizer, right? And, and make you go, I want to do that. Oh, I can do that. And get you to do it on your own. We look at ourselves as kind of like a, a restaurant once a week. And if you only eat once a week, you're going to die, okay? And some of us are dying spiritually. We're not thriving spiritually because this is the only time we do anything spiritual. Our goal is to teach you how to self-feed, in a sense, to nurture your spiritual growth throughout the week so that you can grow spiritually. I'm telling you, if you don't practice spiritual disciplines, 
We want to help you because there's no way to grow outside of that. I remember, um, like we talked about before, uh, spiritual disciplines, the point of, of being good about spiritual disciplines is not just be good at spiritual disciplines. I remember when uh, I, I, when I was growing up, I played uh, tennis. I had to because, right? So, because I'm Polish. So uh, we, we uh, any racket sport, uh, badminton, tennis, uh, ping pong, you kind of had to do it. It was kind of in the DNA. So uh, I had to play tennis. And I remember when I was real little, I started with this John McEnroe racket that was bigger than me. Uh, it was just part of our family. And we had to do drills every day. So even if, after I had like practice at school, I would come home and I would have to practice more at the court by our house. And my favorite drills were one called the windshield wiper, uh, which is you go backhand to forehand to backhand to forehand. Uh, that was one. And then there was a servant volley drill that I just, I could do that for hours. I love those drills. But the goal of those drills weren't to be good at those drills. The goal of those drills was to be good at the game of tennis, right? So like if my coach is like, Taka, you are losing in straight sets, 6-0, 6-0 every week. It's like, yeah, but have you seen me do the windshield wipers? So good, so good, right? It's the same way. There's so many Christians that are like, I know I'm a jerk. I know I'm very selfish. I know I never give to anybody or care about anybody except for me. Have you heard how well I can pray? I'm angels. Beautiful. Have you, do you know how much I know about the Bible? Give me, give me a sword drill. I can turn to the, to the verse so fast. It's like, yeah, but you don't, you don't look anything like Jesus. Your character isn't like his. You don't remind me of him. You don't act like him. It doesn't seem like you care about the same things. The goal of prayer is not to be an eloquent prayer. The goal of Bible study is not to be, you know, memorize scripture. And I would even say that if your goal isn't right, then studying spiritual disciplines will actually just make you cocky, make you prideful, make you hard-hearted. The goal of every believer is to be more and more like Jesus. Actually, you know, the word Christian was a derogatory term in the first century because they didn't know what the call, Christian isn't anywhere in the Bible. It's what Gentiles, non-Christians, would call Christians as a derogatory term. Oh, you guys want to be like little, little Jesuses? Little Christ, little Christians? Because that was the goal from the very beginning, was to be like Jesus. That his character would become my character. His values become my values. I've heard one theologian say that the goal of every Christian is to naturally do what Jesus would do if Jesus were you. That's our goal. What spiritual disciplines do is they help the Holy Spirit, give space for the Holy Spirit to carve the character of God into our hearts. So we're going to take the next five weeks. We're going to go through about a dozen spiritual disciplines. So I want, to, I want to challenge you. Some of you guys are like, well, I go every other week to church. And we at least listen to the podcast or something so that you get handles on the whole thing. Guys, I'm going to end here. Um, would you pray with me this year? Pray with me this year, all of us, that God would use these series and God would use whatever, the, the pivotal circumstances that we don't know that they're going to happen, but they're going to happen this year, right? Just like imagine one year ago, all the stuff that we didn't think realize was going to happen in 2021, but it did and it changed a lot of things. Okay, whatever happens this year, would you, would you pray with me that God, would you use these situations 
these spiritual disciplines, these relationships to help me grow. Not just attend services, not just sing some songs, but allow my heart to look more like Jesus at the end of this year, that that would be the goal. That's why we exist as a church. And so I hope that's not uh, no condemnation, no guilt. Some of us, when you hear that, you're going, I am so far from that. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm here as a New Year's resolution. I'm not even a Christian. I'm not even sure about any of this. I think Christians are weird, all that kind of stuff. Can I challenge you? Take the first step towards Jesus. In the middle of questions, in the middle of doubt, in the middle of fear, just take the first step. And if you're going, I don't even know what to do, then come up here afterwards. One of the elders will be up here. We'll take all afternoon if we need to to help you, to pray with you, to buy you a Bible. We have Bibles here for free for you. Whatever we can do to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus, that's why we exist as a church. Okay, so let me pray for us. We're going to sing one last song together, and then everyone's going to go to a World Vision meeting. Okay, so <laughs> just kidding. All right, let me pray. God, we just, uh, God, we want this year to count. We want it to matter. We're tired of being in limbo. And so, God, we're going to proactively lean towards you. We're going to proactively walk towards you. Holy Spirit, we say change us this year. Change us this year in supernatural ways. God, we don't want to just go to services. We want you to do a deep work in us. We want people to be compelled and curious about you because of the way we live. We need you for that. So many of us are all kinds of messed up. We need you, God. We love you in Jesus' name.